Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Now more than ever, you need a laptop that can be as adaptable as you are. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go. Finally, a premium laptop at an affordable price. Starting at just $549, its light, thin design, vibrant touchscreen, powerful processor, and built-in HD camera and mic turns any room in your home into a classroom, office, or study hall. Available in three amazing colors the whole family will love. Visit surface.com slash laptop go for more details. Welcome back to the 730 Podcast. Before we get into the episode, I want to preface it by saying that this is a very special conversation. The format and purpose of this particular episode is very different than episodes I've had in the past. This conversation was recorded on Instagram Live, so the sound quality may not be what you're usually accustomed to hearing. Considering all that's been going on in the world, I've found myself really struggling mentally. I've grown to become desensitized to police violence on black bodies, but for some reason this Big George situation really hit me different. And after spending two hours in my bedroom last weekend just crying, I realized that I was carrying so much in my heart and mind. There's been so much I haven't processed. So I decided it would be most important to hold and share space for not only myself, but also for all the brothers out there who found themselves struggling as I have. It is my hope that through these conversations, we can begin our healing. Here's my conversation with my good brother, Dario Vasquez, co-founder of Brothers At an organization that works to develop young men of color through its Our Space methodology. Yo. What's up, my good brother? My guy, what's going on, bro? Not much, man, not much. Um, Pardon the sweat, I was, I was getting a little workout in before this. Uh, you got um, to. But, yeah, uh, let's hop right back in, bro. Yeah, yeah, so um, I know one of the things that uh, we, were, we were talking about before we, we hopped on here today was uh, really kind of holding a space. Um, I like to say it's a conversation in black. It's just two, two, two black people um, having a dialogue during this time uh, of crisis, of like whatever you want to call it, right? Um, there's so much stuff going on. Um, but uh, one of the things I was talking about, this, this conversation couldn't happen at a more perfect time because I had a therapy session before this. Um, so I got to like flush out a lot of what I've been thinking about. Um, I had a therapy session on Saturday and after that therapy session, I just cried for like two hours. Um, didn't even realize that I was that emotional until afterwards, you know? Um, but I was talking to my therapist today and, and, and we were talking, she, she was that truck. Um, we were talking and, and I, I was telling him that, uh, a lot of the stuff that I'm having a problem with right now is like, I haven't really been able to engage with um, a lot of white folks right now. And that's a, that's a tough thing for me because I have family of mine that is white, right? I have family that are, that are, that are white. And um, part of, part of the, the, the problem for me is like, I already have and carry enough of a burden as a black man in America and, and right now, I feel like every white person that I'm connected with, that I'm friends with, that a family, like whatever the case is, I'm carrying their burden too. And I have to be very careful and cautious not to do that right now. Because mm. this is a space that I have to have and, and, and sort of um, create and protect for myself right now. Yeah. And so it's almost like the, 
you want to call it the double black man's burden or the black yeah. like whatever that whatever I don't know what sort of you know verbiage or you would want to use to really describe it right now, but um, that's something I'm really struggling with. I imagine that you're probably struggling with something similar. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with exactly the same thing. So, you know, I I literally told my team yesterday. Um, so we had a staff meeting with brothers at with organizations. So me, Harry, the co-founder, our coordinator. Um, and yo, can you pin? Can you pin brothers at on here? Yo, um, how do, man, I don't see. even know how to pin. <laughs> we we both the the worst people. <laughs> Right now, I want to pin that brother's at. Let um, me um, let me at least try to tag us or something. I don't even know. I'm gonna just put brothers. It's brothers at underscore, right? Yep, brothers at underscore. Yeah. I don't know if I could even pin that. Um, all right. Anyway, but you were saying you were telling your team. Yeah, nah. I was telling yo. I was telling the bros, man. At staff meeting. I was like, yo, what's one thing you're gonna do for yourself different today than you did yesterday? This might have been like Tuesday on Blackout Tuesday. Um, and for me, Blackout Tuesday, I took Blackout Tuesday as a day for me to try to really unplug from unnecessary, like, screens and media as right. much as possible. Because the media was, 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 was really getting at me. Like, the everything on the screen was really, was really getting into my psyche at a deep level, especially with my own, you know what I mean, like, history and traumas and stuff like that with police brutality. So, so... I was I told the guys exactly what you said. I was like, yo, listen, man, um, for me, what I'm doing for myself today is I'm not engaging with any white people. That's what I'm gonna do for myself, for my own sanity, for my own sake today of all days. Like I can go back to loving y'all another day. I, I got mentors and friends and stuff and people I cherish. But the probably probably what's gonna be probably what's the most important thing that I'm probably gonna say at all that I've been thinking about I thought about last night is there's a way in which there's a way in which folks like us who do this work, especially teachers, coaches, mentors, folks who work in nonprofit, we are the first responders for our young people when it comes to having helping them deal with their traumas. And helping them deal with what they, you know, with how they're interpreting and handling the situation. I don't sift through how I'm feeling on my own first before I have to start diving into helping another person that looks like me, a younger, a younger black man, try to sift through it for himself. I'm sifting it through as he is. Like I'm the first on. I'm at, I'm at the front lines of you helping you get through that trauma and work through those emotions and work through that, that, that anger or whatever you work. Right. I can't then also turn around and be the same type of receptacle and object for white people's guilt at this moment. I can't bro. It's too taxing for me. Like I can't, the energy that it takes for me to try to respond to your paragraph. I love you. I do. I get it. I appreciate <laughs> you. I appreciate you. <laughs> But I can't, right? Because at that moment, right, like one way or another, like I was saying earlier, bro, like one way or another, I'm just an object, right? Whether I'm I, I'm an object that's that's that that's being victimized by the society and everything that we're seeing, and brutalized by police in one way, shape, or another, or I'm an object for for you to relieve your guilt. One way or another, now I I just become this black body, 
right? Like, I'm just not, I'm not deep anymore. And for me to be a first, like, like I was saying, like a first response, like, soon as all this stuff hit, yo, I found out the news. I found out about George Floyd because a mentee that I had, I've known this cat since he was in ninth grade, a mentee sent me the video. I couldn't even open the video. So I'm finding out to a mentee. Right? Yeah, I mean, you know what no, I mean? go ahead. Go ahead, bro. No, no, go ahead. No, I man, I was just trying to, I was just getting at that that first that first responder joint. Like now, I'm looking at, I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting the news, right? And, and I'm now I gotta I gotta I gotta grapple with it myself. But I still need to respond to you and be there for you as your mentor, as your coach, as your, you know what I mean, as a leader of a nonprofit, as a whatever, right? And like that's. That's already a burden enough for those of us who are always on the front lines for our young people to now continue to do that for everyone around us. Not to mention that so many of us have to be that for our own families and our own friends as well. You know what I mean? Like, it's been a, it's been a heavy burden to carry. That's, this, this combo couldn't have come at a better time, bro. Yeah, man. I, you know, it's, it's interesting talking about, like, the role you play with the, with the kids and the youth that you work with. Um, because for me, it's like, I had such a hard, I'm going to be honest with you. I knew all of this stuff had happened on uh Monday, Tuesday morning when it happened last week. Right. It was like, all right, whatever. It wasn't whatever. It was just, I was so, um, I've been so desensitized to everything that's happened, um, over the course of time, uh, especially in this age of social media and, and smartphones and seeing the videos and seeing like, you know, it's almost like I've been conditioned to expect this, right? And so when all of this happened initially, I was just like, it's not really, nothing's new, right? It's like everybody's making a big deal out of it right now. But to me, in the moment, it was like nothing's new. Like, this is the same shit. And it didn't really hit me until Thursday. I woke up and I was like, wait what the fuck like what really is going on you know Wednesday night I had really watched the video in full and I was just like I looked at the video and I was like yo this guy is like clenching on this dude's neck like he's a lion in a jungle right now and there was something like just it hit different it hit different mm -hmm. um I haven't been able to let this one go I, I feel yeah you. I feel you and so and so for me it took me two days to even process and acknowledge that it even happened. And then, then it took me two days to really even process the next level of it. I don't even know what the next level was, right? That's when I had my like Saturday breakdown and I was just crying for two hours because I'm like, it, it, like, I think what, like, uh, what provoked my tears was, I was in Saturday. I was like in almost such a state of hopelessness. I was like, like, what is going on? Um, and then for some reason, I really, you know, I started to think about my, my biological pops man, who's like not alive anymore. And I was thinking, man, like, what would my pops be saying about all of this right now? My pops would be 74. And I'm like, you know, he lived through a whole lifetime of seeing Black Panthers and all this other stuff. And I'm like, like, what would, what would he be saying right now? Um, and how depleted would he be? And so thinking about how depleted he would be made me feel really depleted. Right. Um, but yeah, man, I think the guilt, the guilt that, uh, 
And I, I would say this, the burden of having white people's guilt kind of thrown on you, but also I have my own black guilt. And the black guilt is like, I've sort of navigated and moved in and out of circles with white people where white people have treated me fairly well. You know, I would say at this point in my life, I've had more positive experiences interacting with white people than than not. Not every black person could say that, though. That's a fact. That's a fact. And I think in having those experiences, having those positive experiences, I've come away from that and and I've been blinded by it. You know, I've been blinded like, oh, this is how people these, this, you know, I have well-meaning white friends. This is how white people are. Yeah. And I've sort of turned a blind eye to like, well, not every white person is like this. And like even the white people in my world are not treating every black person the way that they treat me. And that that that's to me is what was scariest about the other video that came out on the same day. Yeah. Of the white lady you know, on the same day, right? Like you literally get on the same day. You, so 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 the lady in Central Park calling the cops on the dude, like, yeah, hey, look, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna call the cops, tell them you're an African American man. Come come to find out, you know, she done she done donated to Obama's campaign. She was a progressive, well-educated, Ivy League-educated, you know, white woman, right? Like, we're not talking about, I see my man Justice there, a Karen. Karen. Right? <laughs> like, we're, like, we're not talking about, you know, who you would, quote-unquote, expect it from stereotypically, right? Right. When you think about really racist people who are overtly racist. That, to me, is what kind of took me over the edge. On the same day, you get you get someone making that threat. You get video confirmation of a white woman making that threat. And then simultaneously, you also get the, the real-time physical proof of why that is such a threat to your life, like hand in hand. So for me, the distrust had built, boiled over where I was just like, I can't, for this moment, I just can't engage with y'all right now. You know what I mean? That was actually my question. That was one of the questions I had for you. You're, I consider the work that you do in one way or another, as, as a form of practice, right? Like you're a practitioner in one way or another, right? Because you're shedding light on black mental health issues and you're shedding light on how these moments, the implications that these moments have on black mental health, especially for black men, right? I was gonna ask you what was you, what was your initial reaction, not just as you individually as a black man, but as a practitioner, as someone who does this work and tries to shed light through the through the podcast, everything that you do, how did you receive this moment? Well, I mean, that's a that's a that's a, a really good question. It's a it's a it's a I feel like it's a layered question. Um, on the one hand, I haven't even really thought about it. To be honest, I haven't really thought about my work in the context of this. Uh, and I haven't really started thinking about it until like the last couple of days. And then I've been like, well, no, nah, what I do is actually very much um, intertwined with what, what is going on right now, just in yeah. terms of shedding, shedding light on real, real experience, be it my own or other people's experience. Right. And um, in, in the context of how that uh, impacts, you know, black psyche, black, you know, black, um, you know, self-identification stuff, you know, whatever the case is. So, um, I'm starting to see just this week, just just even on social media, 
the amount of people that's been engaging with with the podcast and stuff like that, I'm starting to see that it's actually it's actually very relevant to what's going on right now. But that took me time because I was processing so much of what I'm going through myself, you know. Right. So I like I was like motherfucker podcast. Like I have I have I I have my own shit to deal with in this moment to try to work through and figure out. Um, before I could really start thinking about how to navigate and, and sure. work work through some of the stuff, um, but on a personal level, and this is great because I, you know, I was I had an hour long therapy session today. I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling <laughs> light. Um, but on a personal level, my therapist pointed this out, and I was like, my parent, my therapist pointed this out to me today, and I was like, yo, that's crazy because I didn't even think about that. But my therapist said, he was like, you know what? Like, he was like, you actually have a phobia of police. Oh. And I was like, and I was like, I was trying to think. I was like, well, wait, I never, like, police never really put me under that, like, put they ne- their knee on my neck. Like, I never had that experience. But he was like, he was like, yeah, you've had, the experiences you've had with police have been relative, relatively benign. That's what he said. And I said, and I said, yeah, in the like physical visual sense of things, but not in like the psychological sense of things. And so what it made me think about was, um, and made me kind of reflect on was my therapist was specifically alluding to the night I went into the hospital, the night I got admitted to the hospital, police came, pulled up, right? Actually, Deshaun was with me. You know, Deshaun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deshaun was with me and the police the, the police came up and two squad cars. It was four four cops, and they pulled up and two of them had riot gear, like riot shields. And I started to bug out, bro. I was like, I started to bug out. I was like, what the fuck? Like, why y'all got like? I was really, I really went to like an like extreme place. Like, they my therapist called me because I, I I guess somebody called my therapist. My therapist called me, or I must have called him, and he was like, "What's going on right now?" I was like, "Yo, there's four police around me right now. Two of them have riot gear. They're trying to get me to the hospital." I was like, "This is some real bullshit, right?" Um, and the police, the the actual officers were like mad calm, considering like, I mean, I wasn't like the most hostile. I wasn't like throwing fists at them, but I was like letting it be known that I was like not fucking with them in that moment. And um my therapist started talking to one of the cops and my therapist was telling me today, he was like, yeah, when I was on the phone with the cop, I was just telling him like be very be like be very careful. Be like very cautious here. Not that I was gonna explode, but like it, my therapist knew that this was a trigger for me just based on how I was talking to him on the phone. And so that didn't really like dawn on me until today when he mentioned it to me. I was like, holy shit, like you were actually right. I really do have, a, I don't really like dealing with police. Um, I don't like being in police stations. I don't like being like, I don't, I don't like interacting with police really at all. And I have, I have friends of mine that are cops that are good people, that are really good people that I like love, but. I like on a on a more general macro scale. Like I don't really, I don't, I'm not really trying to deal with police on a day to day. And 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 I and I understand a you know a lot of black men would say that, but our reference points 
like the reference points you just pointed out to, and 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 then my own reference points for my experience with police, is what's is acutely triggering, right? Like for me, even even before my first stop and frisk encounter, I remember. I don't. You remember Sean Bell, the Sean Bell case? That yeah, was, yeah, yeah. That was the first instance I ever knew of police brutality, and I was in I was in sixth grade fifth, sixth grade. And I remember back in the day, I don't know if you remember back in the day, the local news used to have the joint at 10 o'clock. It's 10 o'clock. <laughs> Do you know where your children are? It's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? Oh, right? man. Uh, and it felt like every night for like a week straight, it was going into the Sean Bell situation, right? Cat shot, I don't know how many times, 50-something times, whatever. 50 times. Cops, cops were shooting, emptying clips, reloading, right? Dude was just, it was the night before his wedding, right? And I might have been, like I said, I was in fifth and sixth grade watching the nightly news, like seeing that, right? And then fast forward, probably it might have been like seventh or eighth grade. I was 12 years old the first time I got stopped at first by the police. And since then has been nothing but interactions up until probably like when I came to college, as recently as my senior year of high school, interaction with the police, right? Picked up by truancy. It didn't matter if I had a bow tie on. It didn't matter if I had a hoodie. What, all those things that they try to coach us through. I, I, I grew up, my adolescence was at the peak of stop and frisk in New York City. So my, my, my interactions with the NYPD shaped, honestly, most of my interactions with white people, to be honest, right? It was through NYPD. And my precinct, there was a precinct that my, my high school happened to, to, to be right on the same block as the precinct. So I had no choice but to pass by police every morning on my way to school. And if I happened to have been just a minute or two late, I was getting questioned by the police on my way to school. So, from, so, so there's no way for you to, right, for me to witness these moments and those things not create visceral reactions. I'll take it a step further for you, bro. Not only do I have a phobia of police, I have I have a deep-seated problem with authority. I don't I don't I don't want nobody telling me what to do. Because the feeling of, the feeling you get when you're being patted down like that, turned around, thrown against the gate, right? Like and you and you just trying to live, right? You're just trying to go to school. You're just trying to whatever, right? Like that never really leaves you. Then my parents have a history of being, you know, undocumented. They have a phobia of police and fear of police and for other reasons, other set of reasons, right? You know what I mean? So as a black man in, in this country and, and, and my history stemming back that far, these things hit me at a, these things hit a white lady calling the police on me saying that she was going to tell them I'm a black man would have, would have, that, that would have drawn me down. I would have had a panic attack in that moment, right? Like, it's a wrap. You know what I mean? Because of those triggers, right? It's funny you mentioned what you have right now is two black men on the call also talking about therapy. I, I get on with my therapist every Monday. And I also had a breakthrough moment on Monday just about this, right? And what really made me, what really made me feel the most emotion in that moment was that how much I tried to try to, you know, coach, 
hope and positivity to the young people I work with, even in moments where I may not truly believe in myself. I can't let them know oftentimes that I'm in a state of despair and hopelessness. I can't do that. There's no wiggle room or not, right? Like not, I'm, I'm a, like I said, I'm a first responder to our, to our kids' traumas. I'm a first I have to be on the, I need to be a beacon of hope and light, right? Like every message I send out has to be that way, right? So for our guys, I can't let them, I can't show, I'll tell them my experiences, but I can't, I can't admit to them just how deeply scarred I am and how, you know, in those moments where I, I experience that kind of despair. I have to try to tell them all the right things I, my mentor told me to do the moment you get stopped by the police. I started, you know what I mean? When you start driving, you know everybody who starts driving and you're a black man, you, you, you got to memorize the protocol. Turn the car off, take the keys, put the keys on the dash. You know what I mean? Roll Make sure your hands are on top of the wheel. On, you know what I mean? Every, all of us know the protocol, right? Like, it's like by default. So it's like, you know, it's... It, 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 it's hard sometimes as someone, again, as someone who works in nonprofit, youth development, you know, in your, in your line of work, you know what I mean? Anything that has to do with mental health and healing, right? Like, because we're on the front lines for our guys, if we don't find spaces for ourselves as, as the practitioners, as, the, as, as just real dudes dealing with it ourselves, like, we won't be able to be 100, like, we won't be able to be truly us in front of those guys, man. I mean, like, at least in my work, right? Like, I can't be me in that moment unless I take care of me first. I had to learn that the hard way. I had to learn that with this experience. Yeah. Yeah, That's I mean, yo, what you, what you just said about, like, being a first responder and, and having to put on the, I would say, the face of optimism, the face of hope. I like I couldn't agree more, but at the same time I, I feel like this week was as real as I got with my kids ever, like in terms of my own lack of hope. Um, it, it was still like my message to them and, and and my conversations with them was still like rooted in 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 having hope that they are a part of a generation that that is that is part of a group of people that don't necessarily hold these beliefs and, and, and will fight to make sure that, that there are people that are treated equally um, and, and given fair, equal opportunity. Um, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't, you know? I, I mean, I, honestly, man, I can't tell you how much I cried this week. And, and I think that's why my best, my best friend from college, who's, who's white, I had to, like he reached out to me earlier this week. I was like, "Yo, I can't talk right now, bro." This is my like my best friend. Like you know, I spent so much time with him. I was like, "Yo, bro, I can't. I really can't talk right now." And he under he totally understood. Like really understood, because he knew it wasn't like it wasn't a slight at him. It wasn't like I thought any less of him. But I think a lot of white people have insecurity about that right now. Yeah, and so like. If a if a black man, this is deep, bro. It's like I was telling you before. Like right now, white people want from black people right now what black people have wanted from white people forever. Yo, break that down for him, bro. <laughs> break that one down, bro. 
No, seriously. So like, what what have what have black people wanted throughout time and throughout history? They wanted to be treated. Um, they want to be given equal opportunity. Yes. They wanted to be. They want. They, we've wanted to be treated fairly. Um, we've wanted to be treated with dignity, with respect, some humanity, right? All of these things. But now we're in a position where some white people don't have the opportunity to have conversations with black people. Now we're in a we're in a in a in a in a situation where some white people aren't being shown respect by black people. Black right. people, black people, maybe aren't smiling at them or saying hello. Maybe their black right. friends aren't really trying to hear the shit right now. At all, right? And that's a very valid thing, you know. I told, I told my best, I told my, I was talking to my best friend who lives down in New Orleans, who's who's a brother. We was talking on Sunday morning, and and we was both still trying to wrap our head around the shit. And I was like, yo, honestly. I want to leave my house right now and I want to snuff the shit out of some white person. But like, that was like a, that was like a, um, that's like a, I've been in therapy for too long, for too long now. But I was like, that was a primary emotion. That's just like the anger, the, the, the rage, the whatever. Right. I was like, really the secondary emotion, like the, the emotion under that is really, I'm hurt and I'm sad, bro. Like, yeah, I'm just really hurt and sad. And yeah. I think right now, what a lot of white people feel the pressure that a lot of black people have felt forever in terms of like just not really not knowing there being a lot of ambiguity behind like does this person like me do, do they not like me do they respect me do they think i'm racist do they not right. think, do I'm they think i'm racist yeah yeah hundred <laughs> percent bro and 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 the, and the thing that's really honestly Dario, the thing that's really bugged me out most about a lot of this shit is like and my well-meaning white friends, they could take this however they want. But, like, somebody reaches out to me, say a white person reaches out to me, and they say, hey, man, just t texting you just to see how you're doing. I'm, like, in my head, I'm, I was talking talk to my therapist about this today. I was like, hold up, let me, let me sit on this for a minute. How the fuck do you think I'm doing right now? Like, like I don't know how that really helps extend the dialogue yeah. right now. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. That's the hardest question for me to answer right now. But that's because people like, don't know what to say, though. How are you doing? How are you holding up? How are you handling <laughs> this? Like, I, I appreciate the good attention behind it. No, me too. 100. Love. 100. Well, what am I supposed to really answer? Like, how am I really supposed to answer that? You know what I mean? Like, that to me, that's... But that's... It, what I will say is you said you said you find yourself being the realest right now, like the realest right now in these moments to your students. I find myself relishing in how great it feels to connect with my people now in these moments. Like just our conversation right now, conversations I've had with my folks, folks that look like me, you know what I mean? Like I'm relishing in those and how much I appreciate that kind of that kind of solidarity. Um and why this is so important. That's why when you was like, yo, let's hop on a live, I was like, let's do it. Because what we're doing right now is that we're holding space, right? Like, this is what we do. It's doing. healing, bro. It's, it's healing. healing. It's healing. Now, it's, it's it's, healing. Um, we, just, we, just, we just put out our methodology for the first time ever, you know, where, where Brothers At. We just released our methodology out to the world. It's on our website. Like, folks can see what is it. Like, if you want to create a Brothers At space, how do you create it? Like, our methodology is called Our Space. 
And one of the pillars of our space methodology is that it's healing centered. Like the, 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 one of the key components of what we do when we get into, when we get in any kind of room, when we get in any kind of circle, when we, when we chop it up with any of our boys is that we're, cent we're centering the conversation around healing and not, we're not just ending the conversations on let's talk about your trauma. It's about how do we how do we heal from those? How do, it's a, almost a therapeutic circle, right? Like you know what you know what that feeling is. You know how much therapy has impacted cats like us, right? Yeah. The reason they're getting, they're getting a seven o'clock uh, essential workers clap. Essential workers clap. <laughs> That's why I was literally about to take it there with the, with the, with the essential workers and. Um, Woo! And, and, and first responders, man, like I was going to say, man, like that's that that type of work, you know what I mean? If, we, if it's not done, if it's not done for us, if we don't do it for ourselves, then we can't, we can't offer, we can continue to hold that space. You and me are kind of doing that work for, for each other right now. Yeah, man, you know, the, you talking and um, just us having this conversation and holding this space is like. I'm just reminded, like really reminded. I like reminded in this conversation. Like I love your ass, man, for real. <laughs> no, yeah, for I real. Love you too, bro. <laughs> for real. Um, and yeah, I've told you this. You too, I've bro. told you this before off record, but like, I really have a lot of love for you, man. Uh, I have a lot of love and respect for what you're doing, and um, I just feel like any time that we connect, we always able to build. There's never like a regression of like content there's never a regression of of um uh, of like intellectual like curiosity or like exploration anything like that i feel like we're always building on something and i appreciate I, I really appreciate that so much um because i think a lot of us and i think it's what's so cool about what you're doing is you are building that on a on a macro level you know you're going from being like micro you're building on a macro level um and I'm just trying to do it in this little, little, like, little bubble right now. But, um, nah, man, I got a lot of love and respect for you. Yo, man, um, I, 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 um, this is part, this is part of my healing right now. You know what I mean? Like, I needed, yesterday was probably one of the roughest days I've had. It probably, probably go down in, in history as one of the roughest days I've had in my life. You know what I mean? Mentally. Um, and this has been just so rejuvenating in part because of the work that you do. You know what I mean? And I, I want I want to just shout out the work that you're doing and how crucial it is, man. I got professors. Yo, there's professors here at Bard that listen to your podcast religiously. You know really? I mean? They're waiting for your stuff to drop. You know oh, what I mean? Man. Like that's 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 you know that's on everything. Like so, it's it's you're you're we're both going macro, bro. Like it may like your dialogues may be one on one between between only two people, but your audience is so vast, you know what I mean? It's actually one of the things I want to start stepping into. Like, the healing-centered space that we created in our space with Brothers At and stuff like that, like, how do we give people a glimpse of just how impactful and how much, how much healing actually happens in those types of spaces? You're, you're demonstrating that. This live call is demonstrating that when you got two black dudes saying, like, yo, man, I love you. Nah, I love you too, bro. You know what I mean? Like, that's a... That image, that moment in and of itself is 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 powerful, man. It's impactful. Um, that that level of vulnerability, you know what I mean, is is what is needed, man. So like your work is your work is um is, is is super vital, man. And you can probably your audience 
you're impacting folks who are about to go into the classroom the next day. And that's the other thing I wanted to say, man. It, it, it ties to this conversation, your work, my work, other people's work. People need to find now more than ever where their advocacy lives. What is your form of advocacy? Not everyone's form of advocacy is the same. Right? And that's cool. And that's what we need. We need to diverse we need to diversify the way we advocate. I'm not hitting the streets. But my form of you know, for some of our friends, their form of advocacy is in the classroom. For some of our other your, your, your advocacy is in the medium that you use with your podcast and the way that you you're, you're sending out these to the point where you might be impacting professors who are going into their college classrooms the next day and teaching about some of the stuff that they got on from your podcast. Right. Like what is your meat like find and hone your like your medium for advocacy? own it and then just just dive as deep into it as possible that's what you're doing that's what i'm doing that's what that that's what's going to make a difference and that honestly is it's kind of interesting that you say that because i think um i i you know i'm in full support of people peacefully protesting and doing all that other stuff i haven't gone to a protest um and there's a cut there's like some cynicism in there for me not going to protest but there's also some um, – I question if a lot of white folks know what they're protesting for right now. Yeah, what? Yeah, nah. So, like, <laughs> so like, for me, it's like, all right, let's go to this protest. All right, today these guys got – they all got charged. The, 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 the main guy got the second-degree charge, which – I was looking at the murder charges with Yona. Actually, I was looking at I was looking at the murder charges with Yona on uh, on Saturday. We were reading them together. We were on the phone. I was like, "Yo, this is totally second degree murder, bro." And he was like, "He's like, yeah." I was like, "How couldn't they see this? Like, they fucking charged this guy with third degree murder." And then today, and then Yona texted me like a few hours ago. He was like, "Yo, yeah, like they uh, they just hit him with second. They they hit him with second degree. He was right." I was like, "I should I should probably go to." But the uh, the reason I'm I'm bringing that up is because I feel like for right now, for a lot of people, this whole protesting situation is about justice. It's about apprehending, charging, trying, and sentencing these guys so that they go to prison. But to me, that's like short term. We playing a, a much longer game here. Like, what happens? All right, these guys are charged. All right, now what? What are people doing in their day-to-day lives to, like, really change? Like, what are, what are people committing themselves to from an advocacy standpoint, like you said, to change some of these things that exist in our society, right? Like, protest is cool. Donating money is cool. But guess what, folks? It's not enough. People been People been protesting and donating money for fucking... A hundred years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not enough. People have to really look inward and say, all right, this is, like, what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to commit to. Like, you know, fighting equality. This is such a... Uh, uh, um, or fighting inequality and fighting discrimination and injustice. It's, it's, it's bigger than one act. And I think a lot of, a lot of white folks 
or people that are non-black are looking for a quick fix or band-aid and there's no yes, band-aid of course yeah there's no band-aid and so they think that so so the 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 idea or the misconception is that we could use this band-aid and this band-aid absolves us from any guilt and i'm not down with that i'm not down with like going to a protest with like a bunch of white folks and white not saying every white folk feels this way i know i know a lot of well-meaning white folks that are on the ground when shit like this isn't even going down right you know what i mean <laughs> like yeah, that that's yeah. real like yeah, yeah and those and those are the people that i've talked to this week and i've just been like yo on some real shit i love you like for real because like they're fighting this shit they're fighting this fight more than i am when this stuff is not happening that's real like 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 for real so but the, the 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 real point that I'm making with all and saying all of this is that like I'm not trying to, you know, be the uh, the conduit or be the um, the arbitrator and and sort of determining someone's um, absolution from like like any guilt in all of this, right? Yeah, I, I, I just. For me, I can't do it. It's just, it just doesn't, it's not a part of, like, my, I like, I can't, core. I can't, I can't be objectified like that, man. Like, I have, I'm, I'm a human being, you know what I mean? Like, I can't, I have to, I have to constantly fight to be seen more as just an object of what you're trying to impose on me at any given time. And if you're trying to, if you're trying to relieve your guilt on me, I can't be the one. Especially not right now. I, I, I'm thinking about your, your protest, man. I used to, I used to really hit the streets when I was in high school. You know what I mean? Like I really used to protest when Trayvon Martin happened. You know, Black Lives Matter was starting up, all that kind of stuff. I was in the streets doing it. I think what a lot of like, what we don't really, where what, what Brothers at and Brothers at Bard hasn't really been as vocal about outward facing, is that our entire, the entire our entire founding and, and legacy has been, has revolved around this. Every time, every time something like this happens, every time there's a moment like this in our society, we immediately mobilize and take it a step further. So, like, after the Trayvon Martin verdict came out, we created Brothers at Bar on campus at Bar, right? Like, that, like that, was the, that was one of the most significant push factors to trying to, to mobilize and start a group for ourselves to talk. Right, talk about how we feeling, what we're going through, how you know how we feel about it. Some of those guys, like we were the same age as Trayvon, right? Like all those things, right? Like, you know, when the Eric Gardner video came out, which I'll be honest with you, I haven't. That was the last video I've ever, I've ever, it put myself through of seeing a person die on camera, a black man die on camera by police. Like I was left after I saw that video, I was like, I'm not, I'm not watching any more of these. Like that was the hardest video. I was a sophomore in college, you know what I mean? In my dorm room. After that video, I feel like that's when we really started mentoring through Brothers at Bar. That's when we hit the, that's when we really started hitting the school, the boys and girls club, the local community centers and starting to engage these young men in these types of conversations, right? And in moments like this, now we're finding ways like how do we virt how do we create how do we hold space right now for guys? We're holding space this Friday. We're gonna continue to hold space on Fridays for these types of conversations that you and me are having. Because that's Wait, a part of the healing. You know what what I mean? is, yeah. 
what are the um how are you holding the well we could talk about it at the end but i'm curious to know like um what what what's the premise for the space that you hold in and who 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 has access to it and and, and stuff like that like well, is think, it something people can just tap into or is it people for for brothers at yeah not nah, um it's it's for brothers at mentors mentees young black men who are part of the, part of our group um I'm really, really inspired by your idea of hosting a Juneteenth black man gathering. That's coming, y'all. Yo, send the works. We just, we just gave y'all. We just gave y'all the exclusive, the exclusive word. Preview. Yeah, I mean, like we having a preview. We having a, a a session. You know, we're gonna do. We're gonna try to hold something on Juneteenth, man. That's, that that was a fantastic idea um, to try to get us all in the same room, cause you know, and and. What we do best, bro, you know this, we told you, you know, what we do best is really beyond just holding space, creating space, our space for us is connecting men of color between the ages of, you know, you know, 14 and, and 25, right? Like that, that gap, right? Like under 30, because every, every notion of mentorship that we've known has been, I'm 15, you're 40, and you telling me about back in the day. Right. I, that's how I was. That's how I was. Those are my father figures. No. Well, it's crazy that you say that, man, because that's I, not what I, we I, do. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's crazy that you say that, though, too, because I was saying um, I was just telling some people the other day. I was like, part of what made this George Floyd situation so difficult for me was. I saw in George Floyd a lot of people that I saw in my neighborhood that looked after me. Yeah. When I was a kid. So like so like the dudes that looked after me most would be the dudes would dudes like him. Dudes that were just, you know, maybe they didn't they they weren't the most educated, but like, you know, they was in the community and they, you know, they had relationships with people and whatever, you know. Those are the people that make sure nothing ever happened to me. I um I I I had to post a video with him. We found that video of him. Um when he was just, I guess he was just posting a video of himself. And one of the things that struck out when he was like, yo, man, they so, they so quick to count you out, but they so strict to count you in. Um, you know, believe in yourself. You know, Big Floyd love you. You know what I mean? I love the world. And, yeah, I'll be real with you. I'll be, it's so crazy you say that, bro. I, I put that on everything. I would literally would not be here today if it wasn't men like him in my community, in my school my mentors, my teachers. I had, I didn't know, I didn't know, I, I didn't know it was so rare to have so many black male teachers and figures until I got to college. Cause I was like, what you mean? Like I only had one black male teacher my entire K through 12. <laughs> and I'd be like, what? I'd be like, you crazy. I went to Thurgood Marshall Academy in Harlem. Like, like that's like all our, all our teachers were black men. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, I like they had that energy, like they they were that type of older older head, you know, Generation X, you know what I mean, like older heads who really had that kind of love, you know what I mean, for younger cats and for for the world, for other. I wouldn't be here today without them, man. That joint, that video, seeing him talk like that, I was like, yo, man, like that's why this joint hurts so much because we're not talking. Like I I may not know you personally, but in each of these cases. You really do resemble somebody I know from a community like mine. You really do. 
Trayvon really did. Mike yep. Brown really did. All these people really do. I can't help but think of myself and them every time this stuff happens. I just can't help it. It's 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 really it's triggering. It's traumatizing. You know what I mean? It's it's it, it reopens those same wounds over and over again, man. I'm I'm. How are you? How are you? I mean, like this is. You probably not even thinking this deep about it, moving forward. But as somebody who's in the line of work of talking about mental health, particularly for black men. How do moments like this shift your work? Like for me, like I'm trying, I'm constantly trying to think like, am I going to have to create workshops around this? Well, I don't, I, 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 hmm. that's, uh, that's interesting. Um, (laughs) got me thinking now. Well, I mean, I mean, it, it has shifted. It has shifted my work a little bit. Um, just even in the immediate, just on what we have, what we have planned for later this month. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I think if a lot of this stuff hadn't happened, uh, I wouldn't even really necessarily be thinking about doing that or holding that space, you know? And so um, it's, it's, it's impacting my work. It's impacting the way I'm thinking about personally um, building community um, not just in my immediate space, but it, like beyond, extending it beyond. That's part of the reason why we're going to do the event that, the way we're doing it, you know, getting, yep. getting people from all over the country um, to take part in it. Um, got West Coast, got South, got, you know, it's, it's a lot of different energy. Um, and I think that's the kind of energy that we need. Um, because I was, you know, I was having a conversation, um, conversation with a, with a work colleague the other day, actually, and um, he's from the Caribbean, and um, he a, a big thing that he was emphasizing is how like black people in America aren't really that they don't really have a sense of their identity, and like we in the Caribbean, we have a real sense of our identity and uh, like our ancestry, and it was it was almost like this, it was almost like this pushback of like black 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 Americans don't know what's up kind of thing. And I had to stop him in his tracks, bro. I was like, yo, I was like, firstly, like, this isn't a, this is like where we fall. Like, this is where we are a problem to each other as a people, right? Like for me to say your experience or the way you've internalized your experience and your condition um, is invalid or isn't as valued as mine because I had this experience. Like we love to do that as black people, right? Yeah, oh, you, oh, you from you from the south? You don't know what's up with like, right? When I was growing up, it was like, uh, we go down south and be like, oh, these cats down here, they don't know what's up, you know? But we all <laughs> the 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 point I'm making is that like we all black, right? We right. all black. We are all sort of fighting the same system, and so. Why would we turn? I mean, it's the same. It's the same concept that we, that you and I, I'm sure we both heard. Like, yo, you talk white, or like, yeah. like, why you talk right? Like, because yeah. we speak a certain yeah. way. Like, we can speak and hold conversation in a certain way. But why would you put me? Why would you put me down, or why would you put another person down, based on how they speak or what they, what they might do or what food they might eat? Like, we are all black. We are all conditioned in the same way. So how can we bring each other together? This is where, and when you're talking about how I'm thinking about my work, 
a lot of my work right now is focused on how can we bring each other together to really see through that we all have a common experience no matter where we've been no matter where we've gone and no matter where we think we're going like we on at the end of the day we are all black that's and fact. that's what that's 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 kind of where that, my, that my work is headed now that community building community for, yeah man i think i i um and what's talking white anyway like talking like president trump <laughs> he white too last time i checked that's talking white to y'all because last time i checked the black president we had was far more eloquent than he was it's true you know what I'm saying? So like that that note, the way we kind of we got we run this workshop. We run this workshop. Um, one of the very first workshops we ever ran is called Inside Out. Inside Out the Box. We kind of draw two boxes, and we really we think about what's the box that society puts us in as black men, right? Like, how are you contained in this box? What are all the stereotypes we're told? Like how we're portrayed in the media, right? Like all the, like. I, everything, the box that society has framed, the narrative that society has created for black men. We can, we can toss, we know a bunch of those. You gotta be hard, you gotta be tough. You know what I mean? Um, um, ball player, you know what I mean? Drug dealer, da da da, whatever, right? Like all that stuff that's tossed out, that toxic stuff that's tossed out in the media and all that, right? Perpetuated. But then it's inside out. So what hap what's the box that you're put in the moment you decide you're going to be different and you're going to step outside of that box. Let's say I decide not to fall into that narrative that was pre, pre you know, inscribed for me, that was created for me, and I step out. Now I'm called a nerd, an Oreo, I'm acting white, I'm this, I'm that, right? Just because I didn't chose not to step into, not to be live in that box. And what you're describing is permeating past both layers of those to where we can accept and love every aspect of our own unique form of blackness and come together just under that unifying notion of what it means to be us. Yeah, and what what did, what did Hope say? Um, nobody built like you, you design yourself. Design yourself. <laughs> That's it, bro. Oh. That's it. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the fact, man. I mean, I think we get we get caught up in in the labels, right? Um, yeah. It's like I would, you know, I got don't neglect the end, like tatted on my arm because I I never want to be, never want to let anything box me in. I want to like let having bipolar disorder box me in. I don't want to let um, being black box me in. I don't want you know I don't want to be being educated box me in. I'm living in my own my own world, but I think. And man, I I just been I've been watching I've been going back and just really re-educating myself on a lot of Malcolm and a lot of Huey and a lot of like, and I'm just real like it's just what all all the stuff they was talking about is couldn't be more pertinent to what's happening now. Yeah. Yeah. I think the big thing that 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 I took away from from Malcolm is like this idea that like the civil rights problem. And this kind of gets back to what the Caribbean, the, the the Caribbean dude was telling me. Like, the civil rights problem is really we've been so conditioned to just think about our problem here in America, but this whole issue of like oppression of of uh, of colored people exists throughout the whole world. Yeah, 
Yeah. And so, like, yeah. it's really like trying to internationalize the problem. Yeah. No, it's an imperial project, right? Right. This, this condition, this is an imperial condition, right? Yeah. It's a product of colonialism in every way. So to answer your question, that's where my energy is really going is like, how can I bring more people of different walks of life that are people that are black together to have these conversations, be it around mental health, around police brutality, like whatever it is, like, because I think it's such an important and I feel like that was always the intention behind the podcast anyway. And you can see right. through the guests that I've had on the, on the show, you know, but um just really trying to hold space for folks and make sure that that people the 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 unheard is heard yeah i i and i i can't you can't over you can't overemphasize enough in my opinion we are two black men who openly talk about trauma are vulnerable enough to talk about even the fact how 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 instrumental therapy's been in our lives right young black men open enough to say how much we love each other and we love what we do and who we are i'm an old head now though i mean nah bro nah nah <laughs> chill. Chill. don't eat, yo don't say that too loud bro don't say that too loud bro. You got that? um but um you know that in and of itself is so revolutionary man i think the number one thing i take away from yo, so the international piece from Malcolm was genius, right? Like all his speeches at the UN, trying to emphasize how this is a global issue. Malcolm as a person, aside from his work, is why he's a personal hero of mine. There's, I, I believe there's no human being, I would, I, would, I would put myself out on a limb and say in all of human recorded history, right? That demonstrates the human capacity to evolve more than Malcolm X. Yo, you hit the nail on the head, bro. To me, my, you know what I'm saying? In my opinion, right? And like, that's to me why I model so much. Like, I am so not who I was a year ago. I'm so not who I was five years ago. Right? Like, until we completely embody, and like, that has to be at the center. Growth, a growth mindset is at the center of everything I do all the work I, like, how I live, how I live with myself, how I, you know, how I present myself, you know, how I try to empower others, right? Like, he is the best example of our real, like, what it means to be human, right? Part of the human condition is our capacity to evolve and change, right? And grow, right? And I think that I'm always trying to change the conversation in moments like this around how can I grow, how, how is this going to feed me and help me evolve and grow into the better version of me, a better version of me than I was yesterday. Yeah. And I, I think that's uh it's good that you noted that because I think that's exactly what I'm talking about in regards to protests, right? Like I think people aren't thinking about how they can evolve from this. It's like, Oh, this is about justice. No. Like what can you do to make yourself better to make the world better? So all my white friends have been asking, what can I read? Like, I'm like, I just directed him to Malcolm. I just directed him to Malcolm. <laughs> my, homie, my homie who I think was on here, uh, my, my, my buddy Ryan was asking me, like, what do you think I should read? He's like, I was like, I was like, start with Malcolm. I was like, it's going to make you uncomfortable, but you got to read it. He was like, that's what I need. Right. 
That's a but, fact, man. But, yo, it looks like the gram is about to cut us off. I don't know if you got any, like, like final thoughts or anything like that you want to put out nah, there. Nah, man. I, I would, my final thought, last thing I would say to all our folks, especially folks like us, is find a space. You and me just created a space. I can't even tell you how therapeutic just this moment has been for me. You said you can't even tell me how many times you cried this week. I could, you know, same here. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't, you know, in, in whatever space, whatever community, whatever background, no matter where you are right now, find a space where you can hold these conversations. That is, that's my final message. Find, find your space, create a space with your people to have these conversations, to heal, to talk, to unload. Um, it, 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 it makes that big of a difference. And it's, it's part of that kind of self-care that helps us continue to live. Yo, I love you, man. Be good. All right. Before we wrap up this episode, I just want to thank Dario for taking the time to join me. Afterwards, we were able to talk a little bit and we both were just super appreciative of the fact that we had the opportunity to hold the space. And I just got so much love in my heart for Dario. I've seen him really grow and mature into just a, a incredible, incredible man. So I'm super proud and lucky to know and have him in my life the way I do. And hopefully by creating and holding this space during this time, myself and a lot of other black men can begin our healing process with all of this. Also, be sure to check out the work that Dario is doing with Brothers At. It's brothersat.org. There you can learn more about all the dope work that they're doing on college campuses and high schools across the country. For those of you out there protesting on the front lines, doing the heavy lifting, I just want to wish you guys the best and tell you to keep fighting a good fight. I have a lot of optimism about what's to come despite things seeming so bleak right now. So I hope this conversation has been helpful for a lot of you out there and there are more conversations like this coming.